Hey, this is John at pureandsimplebible.com. Welcome back. So thankful to have you again and grateful to have the opportunity to finish out this good conversational Bible study with Brother Randy. Randy's from Houston. He drove up here to hold our fall gospel meeting with a couple other young guys. And we were able to get in the studio and have some good conversations from the Bible. You're hearing part two of a conversation called Change Your Mind. Let's jump right back into it, shall we? Okay, so those scriptures, Romans 6, verse 1 and 2, and then in verse 12 about don't let sin reign in your body. That goes along with the point you made in 1 John chapter 5 about those who are born of God do not sin. Talking about a lifestyle, a habitual uh, mindset of it doesn't matter what I do. Um, those I guess the encouragement I'm taking away from it is we don't let sin reign in our body in the way that we're not going to live a life making excuses of sinful behavior. We're, we're Rather, we're trying to move towards God, holiness, perfection, uh, by giving up sinful living. That's right. Constantly fight against those uh, natural uh, instincts and desires and feelings that would cause you to go astray and rebel against God. Let, let me give this illustration, Jonathan. Okay. And this has probably happened to all of us. It may happen to me more than it does to others. But, you know, you're driving down the road and you're going somewhere and all of a sudden you realize that you just missed your exit from the freeway. What do you do? Okay, you're you're heading in a certain direction and you, you missed the turn you were supposed to make. Well, first I get frustrated and hit the steering wheel. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> But, but the, the the first thing we want to do is look for a way to turn around and get right, back on the right, right track. We don't just take our hands off the steering wheel and give up and drive off in the ditch or something, right? <laughs> right. We, we don't just say, oh, well, that's the way it goes, and yeah. we'll just keep driving forever I'll, and ever I'll get the around the world eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, we look for a way to immediately get off the freeway, make a U-turn, whatever we have to do to get back and get back on the right track right. as soon as possible. Okay. And I think that's exactly what we can say as Christians. We don't live a habitual lifestyle of sin. We don't accept that in our lives. We don't approve of it. We don't let it control our lives. If we occasionally stumble in sin, uh, we understand that happens. We immediately want to confess that and repent of it and try to get back on the right track. That's a good analogy. I like that. And and so Paul, you know, uh, is telling us in these scriptures that this battle that's going on in his mind, uh, sometimes he does the wrong thing, knowing what the right thing is to do. But it doesn't mean that he just continues down the course of doing wrong. He is going to uh, seek forgiveness, repent, change, and, and go the right way. Uh, give us some scriptures, maybe to back up that idea of mind, of changing the mind, of moving back towards God and, and in that direction instead of continuing down a path of sin. Okay, you know, I'll do that, but let me, I'm, I'm going to go back to my illustration for a minute and kind of use that as a springboard to answer your question. So why do we miss our turn? Why do we miss our exit? Hmm. Um, well, multiple reasons. Maybe one, you're unaware, uh, you were distracted, or... I think that's it. For me, the reason it happens to me is because I'm talking to someone else in the car, and I'm, I'm interested in the discussion, and I don't even realize that I just passed that exit. Uh -huh. Maybe I'm listening to the radio. I'm thinking about something right. else. It's because I'm distracted. If I were focused on where I was going, and that's all I was thinking about, I wouldn't miss that turn. And so I think that's why it's so important to control our minds. Uh, look at Titus chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. I think this applies here. Okay. So Titus 1, 15, Paul says, To the pure, all things are pure. 
But to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Even their mind and conscience are defiled. They Mm. profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. Now, when I'm looking at that, I'm seeing people, they're not doing the right thing. They're claiming to be of God, but they're not living like it. Uh, what's the cause in this scripture? Well, he, he says their mind is defiled. The reason they're doing defiled kinds of things is because their mind is defiled. You can't think about something all the time and not have it affect you. Right. Uh, one of the things that I tell new converts is start paying attention to the music you listen to, mm-hmm. the people you hang out with and the things they're talking about, the TV programs and movies you watch. I know people that have a problem giving up profanity, and it's because they watch TV programs and movies all the time that are filled with profanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, The websites you visit, the things that you allow into your mind, they're going to have an impact on the way that you act. So is this the third time I've said this is the key? (laughs) If we can change the way that we think, we can change the way that we act. You know, um, I'm thinking about people that, when they make a radical change in their life, there is a, a mindset shift, but part of it is giving up old practices that would trigger their stumbling. And I think it's funny sometimes whenever I, I talk with uh, people that, that, that dabble in sin and the excuses that they make for it. But those who have really fallen far deep into the black hole, they've, they look at those that dabble in it and think it's almost like they pity them. And here's what I'm trying to get at. Uh, I've spoke with those who've been an Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm. and they have really gone down into the dark pit of alcohol. And then when somebody talks about uh, their casual drinking or their, you know, they're able to do this and and do that, you talk to somebody who's in recovery. They don't even want to be around it. They know it, what what triggers them. They they avoid every situation that puts them near it. Because they know where it leads to. Yeah. And then those who are uh, maybe distracted at the wheel, so to speak, uh, they, they tend to try to make excuses for it. So that that's maybe a real-life example, a testament of, of somebody that when they know how far down they can go, you know that you're not going to then toy with it afterwards. Yeah. You're going to do whatever it takes to change and get away from that. But, but why would somebody want to dabble in something like that? It's because they don't, they haven't changed their mind about mm, it. See, right. if you hate something, if you know it's destructive, if you don't want it to have any influence in your life, you're going to avoid it. But if you haven't changed your mindset yet, then you may still think, oh, it's okay for me to go over here and play around with this a little bit. Now, the Bible talks about the importance of changing our minds. Okay, can I share two verses of scripture with you of about course. that? Yeah, because it sounds like, I know you're getting ready to read these, but I'll just comment that in the New Testament, it sounds like there were several people, several congregations who had members who dabbled in sin. Yeah. And so Paul is having to write these letters to remind them that they are living a new life. And that means inherently you'd better have changed your mind. And if you haven't, you'd better start doing it right now. Yeah. And and you you mentioned number one, that they needed to change their life, but that they needed to change their mind. And those two go together. Let me, let me give you this example. Ephesians chapter four. He starts off by saying in verse 22, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Okay. So we've talked about that. The old man dies. We, we put him away. We bury him. The next verse says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind 
and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So here's the thing. We, we put away the old man. Right. But we replace that vacuum. We, we Correct. You know, build something better through the renewing of the spirit of our mind. Look at Romans 12 and 2 also. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So this idea of renewing your mind is critical. That's important, and it's mentioned a couple of times in the Scriptures. So both of these passages say to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's how we change. That's how we put off the old man and put on the new man. That's how we keep from conforming to the world. So mm-hmm. when we're baptized, the old sinful man is supposed to die and be buried, and we're supposed to be different. But listen, the water doesn't do that. Right. There's not something magical in that water when somebody... <laughs> It goes down and comes back up that poof, all of a sudden their mind is completely different and they think differently. That doesn't change our minds. It changes our spiritual condition and position, but there's something that we have to do to complete the transformation. Listen to this, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 5. And this is speaking about people that have been baptized. And it says, if then you were raised with Christ... Mm -hmm. You, you've obeyed the, the scriptures, and, and as Romans 6 says, we're buried with him in baptism and rise to walk in newness of life. Right. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. I love that verse. For you died, right, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians chapter 3, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 as well. Um, I'm thinking about Ephesians chapter 4, give very specific examples about the old man and the new man. You know, it talks about we put off lying, we put on truth, we put off anger, we put on peace and love, we put off um, drunkenness, we put on sobriety. There's just example after example of somebody wanting to know, well, how do I do that? Well, it's just in, in the way that you live. You're going to change your lifestyle the mindset, those things that once gave you pleasure, they don't give you pleasure any longer because you know that's not seeking Christ the way that Colossians 3 talked about. Uh, I'm, I'm seeing some more scriptures there. Tell me about Romans 8. Well, I think it teaches the same thing as what you were just saying there, that you know we, we, we put away these sinful things because now we're focused on heavenly things. We're thinking about what God wants. Mm-hmm. So watch this. This is Romans 8, 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds Mm. on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Then he says, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Right. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. I have a note in my Bible on that verse. On verse 8, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And it just says, technical impossibility. <laughs> if you have your mind set on the flesh, it is technically impossible to please God because you are serving self and not the Lord. Yeah, and, and what you just said is very true. We're not talking about the, the, the fact that we're in a fleshly body. We're all Correct. in a fleshly body. Correct. But it's where's your mindset? Uh-huh. Where's your focus? What, what are your priorities? You know, here, here's the thing, Jonathan. Uh, our lives are filled with decisions. We have choices to make all the time. Some right. of them are real easy. Some of them are kind of hard. When I read Romans 8, 5 through 8, this is what I would call one of those no-brainer decisions, Mm -hmm. okay? So do you want to please God or do you want to be God's enemy? 
do you want to have life and peace or do you want to have death? Right. Um, and, and he specifically says, if you're carnally minded, if you focus on the flesh, then the result is death. But if you're spiritually minded, you have life and peace. The, the things of the flesh, you know, Galatians chapter five gives a, gives us a list, the fruit right. of the spirit and the works of, uh, right. of the flesh. And so they're going to include things like adultery and idolatry and murder and drunkenness and so forth. But it includes some things that are not quite as obvious, you know, things like hatred and envy and jealousy and so right. forth. There's there's certain sins that uh, Christians who have been in the church a long time are good at hiding. Uh, there are certain sins like the first ones that you mentioned, adultery, idolatry, murder, drunkenness. Those are things that are war on the sleeve. I mean, people see it. Sure. And uh, typically the ones who are doing it, uh, it's kind of hard to hide it. But what you just mentioned, uh, jealousy envy, wrath, hatred, some, including myself at times, uh, some are really good at hiding or being subtle about just the types of flesh that they're putting on in that mindset. Yeah. Well, and the other thing is, and we talked about this a little bit in, in uh, the, the sermon uh, Wednesday night here, worldliness or fleshliness doesn't necessarily mean things that are sinful. Correct. You know, there, there are some things that relate to the flesh, you know, having a job for example, not only do spiritual people have job, but worldly people have jobs right, as well. Right. Uh, not only do Christians get married, but people that are non-Christians get married too. Mm-hmm. So those are things that are, you know, kind of common to uh, humanity and so forth. As we're talking about flesh versus spirit, it's it's easy sometimes, <clears throat> maybe for me to assume that that things of the flesh are always going to be the really dark things. Like we've just mentioned, you know, uh, adultery and hatred and wrath and envy. But kind of like you mentioned, um, plugging the gospel meeting that's going on this weekend, but sadly, by the time I record this, the meeting's (laughs) going to be long past. Uh, Randy's up here holding us a gospel meeting at our congregation at the Denton County Church of Christ beginning of October. Uh, But one of the things you mentioned on the Wednesday uh, sermon that you gave was that worldliness and things of the flesh can be be um, sometimes morally neutral, but that are still taking us away from God. The example that I like that you gave was, uh, you know, we we have a job. You know, Christians have jobs, but so do people of the world. Uh, Christians get married, so do people of the world. Uh, it doesn't make marriage and having a job wrong, but when someone pursues that that thing of the flesh maybe they become a workaholic and they give themselves completely to their job instead of devoting themselves to the lord that's somebody that's pleasing the flesh just as much as somebody who is an adulterer or somebody that uh is a murderer and committing something we might call the you know up on the pedestal the big sins the big sins right but the question that 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 we might ask is uh does being a christian affect the kind of employee and the kind of spouse that we are. So if everybody's getting married and everybody's getting a job, et cetera, you know, what's going to be the difference between a Christian employee and an employee of the world? Yeah, it, well, it better make a difference. It better make a difference in everything in our lives. So we should be the best employee there is, honest, hardworking, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, conscientious and those sorts of things. Uh, the same thing in our marriages. If, if you're a husband and you're a Christian, you better be the best husband that there is. So... <laughs> Here's where we are. We recognize the fact that, you know, if we love God, we want to keep his commandments, we, we become Christians, there, there still may be some sort of a struggle going on. So we start off life 
as an innocent little child. But as we get older, uh, we begin to have thoughts and desires that aren't right. That's a natural progression. Mm -hmm. It happens to everyone in every culture, in every age of time. But then we're faced with the great question, which way am I going to go? Everyone has these desires for things of the flesh. We also have a knowledge of God. So which one am I going to choose to uh, pursue? Other people will try to influence you. I'm a parent. I want, you know, my right. child to to uh, grow up and be a, a, a good Christian and so forth. I want him to go to heaven. Uh, I, you know, I try to influence people around me. Other people have tried to influence me, and I appreciate that. Sometimes people try to influence you for good. Sometimes they try to influence right. you the other way. But ultimately, in the end, you and you alone make the decision about what you're going to follow, who you're going to be. Uh, where you're going to go. There's not going to be on the day of judgment the announcement made, well, you know what? Your your parents were really good, and because of their influence, you get to come in. You weren't going to make it if they, <laughs> if they hadn't been there, but they did good for you, so you get to come on in. Well, but let me take this a step further. Even though we have this great decision to make, even if we make the right decision, there can still be constant distractions. There's an ongoing Uh, effort to overcome temptations and focus on spiritual things and so forth. So we have to guard our minds. Right. Let me share something with you. Okay. Jeremiah asked the question in Jeremiah 414, how long shall your evil thoughts lodge within you? I I would ask the same question to people today. They exist. We all have those things, those problems. How long are you going to let it live there? Jeremiah was talking to the people of God, but they had become distracted. They had rebelled against him. In the New Testament, Christians are warned in Hebrews 3 and 12, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So even Christians can be misled if their heart isn't right. I like Proverbs 4 and 23, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. When you think about the physical body, you know, I'm getting to an age where I'm starting to have little aches and pains here and there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, we know people can get sicknesses, diseases, various things. But one of the most important things is of the health of our heart, mm. right? If your heart is sick in your physical body, your whole body's going to be sick and your lifespan may very well be limited. That is so true in the spiritual realm as well. Right. What's on the outside and, and what uh, we, we can all see we can't always see a person's heart condition, but the heart condition makes all the difference in the world. We need to take good care of our spiritual hearts and make sure they're aiming us in the right direction. And this is a synonym for the title of changing your mind, heart, mind, just the the ability to reason spiritually. I'm wondering if you'd like to have a final word in this talk. I'm hoping that people take away what I have taken away from the conversation in general of uh, what I need to avoid and what I need to put on, just the, the awareness that I need for changing my attitude so that whatever happens, you know, uh, the question uh, in Romans chapter 8, one of my favorite rhetorical questions of who can separate us from the love of Christ with the mind fixed on Jesus, nothing. Yeah. Nothing can take away God's love. You know, I can walk away, but there's nothing in this creation that can separate me from the love of Christ. So I just want to ask you, uh, do you have a final thought about mindset? So maybe uh, for us to take away something. You know, I'm almost hesitant to, to use this because it's not a scriptural example. But I read 
a couple of years ago, and I forget what, what year they have the Olympics and all that, but the United States Winter Olympic team had a staff, a whole crew of psychologists or psychiatrists or hmm. whatever, whatever they were, doctors that dealt with, you know, the human brain. And uh, they were teaching these Olympic athletes how to think, how to focus their minds in such a way that they could be successful in their endeavors. And it was really an interesting read, but I realized that, you know, even in physical situations like that, our mindset makes a tremendous difference in the, in the outcome. Sure. Well, if we can see that, and, and if it's something that the scientific community recognizes and the athletic community recognizes, why would we not equally see that? In fact, not just equally, but more greater see that mm-hmm. where our spiritual lives are concerned. So I hated to use a physical example, but there are so many passages in the New Testament that tell us, you know, the, our mindset determines the ultimate outcome. And right. so every Christian, if, if you're a new convert or if you've been in the church for 50 years, every Christian needs to be diligent to set their mind in the right direction, to have a pure heart, to have a spiritual mind, not a, a fleshly, physical, carnal mind. Those are all words that are used in the scriptures to describe that condition. It's a lot of work. That's what I want people to understand. It's a lot of work. It's not easy, but it's worth the effort because Paul says, if you're spiritually minded, you can be a friend of God. Mm. You, you can please God. Uh, you can have heaven as your home. And that's, I think, what we all want. Well, brother, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I'm thankful for the conversation, thankful for the scriptures we have to consider. And I pray that God bless you in your ministry. And again, thanks for coming on. Thank you, brother. Appreciate the opportunity. I want to say thanks to Randy again for coming on the podcast. We're going to have him back next week for another Bible study conversation about the dangers of apostasy. And while the subject itself may be kind of challenging to consider, man, it's such a great conversation and I want to plug it. So please come back next week. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so. You can do it on SoundCloud. You can do it on Apple Podcasts or iTunes on uh, your iPhone if you have one of those. Anyway, uh, it's a great way for you to uh, make sure that the podcast gets to you so that you can listen to it on demand. That's the great thing about podcasts. It's like radio, but it's on demand and it's free. And who doesn't like that? So speaking of free, go over to the website, check out some of the free downloadable resources such as study workbooks, Bible study courses, videos, booklets. You can print them. You can use them. I'd love for you to be able to Uh, utilize them for your personal ministry, for sharing the gospel with others, for being edified yourself. If you are a Christ seeker and you haven't become a Christian, but you found this podcast, I want to help you learn more about Jesus. And I want you to come to know the blessings that are found in Christ. Once you reach out to me, you you can find me on the web at www.pureandsimplebible.com. Until next week, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you next week. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.